Well, hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of the My Love of Golf podcast. It's Roscoe here, your host, and thank you as always for taking the time to tune in. All the likes, shares, comments, feedback that I receive, it really is one of the reasons why I'm able to keep this podcast going. I'm not going to do too much in this introduction because it needs no introduction. Chandler Carr, Senior Manager for Product Creation in Carlsbad at the TaylorMade Head Office, talking us through the new Sim 2 range. Loves talking about his golf, and this one is for you. If you want to learn more about the TaylorMade range, if you want to learn more about golf product, and you want to learn more about the people behind the scenes in the world of golf, this is a great episode to listen to. It's a long one, but we go through everything from top to toe. There's a little bit of Tiger, there's a little bit of DJ, there's a little bit of Rory, but most importantly of all, there is a lot of stuff about the new TaylorMade range and how it just comes to bear. And I find it really interesting because I'm involved in the industry, and I'm sure that you will find it interesting too. So sit back, relax, enjoy the chat with Chandler Carr. Thanks to the team at TaylorMade for helping me get Chandler on the podcast again. I really do appreciate all of your support. Thanks again. Enjoy this episode. Chandler Carr, Senior Manager, Product Creation, TaylorMade HQ in Carlsbad. Enjoy. Okay, Chandler Carr, welcome back to the My Love of Golf podcast. Thank you for joining us all the way from Carlsbad in the USA again for the second time. Really do appreciate you taking your time out. Sunday your time, Monday my time. So you've uh, jumped in on your day off to help uh, with all of the time zone collaboration. I appreciate it. How are you, sir? Are you well? Are you good? Yes, doing great. You know, like I was saying, um, you know, it's a bit a little rainy here today, so it's nice to jump on the call with you and talk a little golf and just hang out and spread the good word if I can. Well, I learned that last time we spoke, which was probably, I can't remember, it was mid you know, mid last year, when, when the range of irons, the new uh, P-series range of irons came out, and you were very generous with your time back then, gave us a lot of great insights, and gave the listeners, uh, I guess, another level of knowledge that they sometimes don't get from people like me in, in retail, sometimes they can't get from reading uh, all of the wonderful product information that you know, organisations like yourself at TaylorMade put out, but uh, just to get that level of insight from someone like me um, was a real bonus. And it's great to be able to get you again at a really, 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 I can't, uh, that was three really. So it must be a very important time for the brand at TaylorMade. It, it, it is that. So I'll let you uh, tell us you know, why it is such an important time for the TaylorMade brand right now. Yeah, I mean, obviously we have a lot of um, success. You know, 2020, um, needless to say, was a pretty uh, challenging year for everyone, you know, whether you're in golf or out of golf or just in general. Um, 2020 proved to be, a pretty challenging year, but we knew going into it that we were still going to have a lot of success. We were knew that um, our tour players, once they got back playing again, um, they're going to showcase our brand really well. And obviously the performance to back it up um, was huge. And, you know, kind of riding the coattails of 2020, which turned out to be actually a pretty positive year for us. You know, we, we, there was some, a few months of uncertainty, but, you know, here in California, here in the States, once, um, the government said it's okay to go play some golf and kind of maintain social distance and all that. Um, you know, golf started booming again, actually. Um, as long as I've worked in the industry, this is the um, busiest I've actually seen golf courses in my area. Like I couldn't even get a tee time where my normal, my normal routine was to call up kind of Thursday for a Sunday tee time. And now I can't even get a tee time a week in advance. Like, Everything is booked solid. Golf courses are packed. People are playing the game. And there's more people now in the game than ever. So it's an important time for us because as we launch new product, 
how do we resonate the messaging? How do we have the technology to help really kind of all golfers, right? You know, not just, you know, that, that core group of golfers that have always been there and always will be there. But now like there's a bunch of other people in the game that are, that are going to the driving range for the first time or going with their husband or wife to go to the range to learn the game. And um, now it's an important time for us to really kind of tell that message and to get people playing and to have them use our clubs in the process. Let's just unpack that a little bit more because, you know, I know the listeners and I know the people that I talk to and serve every day and when I'm handing them, you know, your wonderful golf clubs to, to use and to try, you know, they, they've struggled to understand how product has been hard to get, um, product has been somewhat short supply or the timeline for delivery has been lengthened. And, you know, as we all know, it was a crazy year last year, but, you know, we go back to March, it was almost like nearly this time last year when the first, uh, you know, virusy things started to impact us. What was it like? at your end, at the really pointy end where, you know, some of the guys are having to make decisions around product flow and product building and, and all of the things that go in towards just getting golf clubs into a golf store. What was it, what was it like? Cause it, it seemed to me, it was like, pull a, let's, let's pull the handbrake on a little bit, see what's happening. And then it was like, let's pull the accelerator down and, you know, go full steam ahead. And the, and the catch up and the lag just was a really difficult time to, um, I can imagine it must've been a challenge for you guys, but how did that sort of play out? Yeah. From a um, commercial standpoint, obviously it was, you know, we had to, we had to buy things in advance and we had to make sure that we, have our supply chain always moving to, you know, have parts for the golfers. Right. And when kind of COVID first, first kind of got going, there was like that level of uncertainty and it's like, well, let's pump the brakes and kind of wait it out a little bit and kind of see how the climate was kind of transitioning. But unfortunately when we had to pump the brakes was really, we were ramping up um, to, you know, that's our key seasons for us is to, you know, those early months of, you know, in the year we, we tell our big story. We got the, the the guys using the product, and then all of a sudden, it's like, wait, now what? So then you have to kind of like stop the supply chain, which obviously pushes everything back out. Um, but kind of like what we were what we were just saying is that once we found out that golf was back and people are playing it, and now more people are playing it. Then to your point, that that gas was you know it's all gas, no brakes. At you know at this point, we are we are moving forward as fast as we possibly can because. People are still seeing delays across the entire industry. It's not just us, but everyone has, um, you know, some are better than others. And we like to think that we're on the better side at the moment. But, um, you know, people want clubs, people want them now. And there's kind of that they wanted to go to the range and go play, and but they want something new in their bag at the same time. So from a strategic standpoint, you know, it was get as much as we can, but without impacting future launches too, because, you know, there's a certain amount of, um, you know, capacity um, that, you know, we can only build so much, right? As much to catch up, but then we also got to start prepping for next year. Like that's kind of the catch 22, you know, people want it, but we don't want to impact the stuff that we're going to be talking about today too. So it's a fun one. Yeah. <laughs> Every- well, I, I know the, uh, the, the trials and tribulations of dealing with it at my end, my end with, um, you know, customers and just managing that expectation. So I, I can imagine it's, just one of the challenges and you've overcome it like all of the brands in the industry are, are working towards overcoming it. You know, the positive thing is, as we've already discussed and identified, that there are more and more people walking into places like mine to put their hands on golf clubs and many times for the first time or many times 
in a long time, you know, they, they played. I get the story I get is like, you know, I've got my old set of golf clubs from 10 years ago, from 15 years ago, or I've got the clubs that I used that my dad gave me. And, and I know that yep. technology's changed and I want to get some of that new tech because I'm seeing these other guys that I'm out playing with hitting it past me or, or hitting it, you know, they're better than me and they shouldn't be, et cetera, et cetera. So there's, that is a normal sort of daily, daily conversation. So the really positive thing is, you know, the strength of a brand like yours is just doing wonders to bring people in to get their hands on your product. You know, the, the TaylorMade yeah. brand name has been um, one of the keys for, I guess, the success in, in my business. Um, even for the new people, they don't understand what golf clubs are. You know, they're, they're putting, they're wanting packages or they're wanting sets for the first time, but they know the name. They trust yeah. the name because they've seen so many people on tour. They see Tiger on tour. They now see Tommy Fleetwood. They see Rory and et cetera, et cetera. But they know that. So when they come in, they don't know the golf club, but they know the name. Really yeah, good. yeah. I mean, that, that definitely helps draw some awareness to the brand. And I think then when you start diving deeper, that like you kind of hear of TaylorMade, right? And you walk in, you you walk to a store, and then you know, like you may not know anything, but you know the brand, and then you you associate that awareness obviously with quality and performance. And then that's when you go get fit. That's when you talk to a sales guy. That's when you start learning about all the little minutia details of what makes a driver or an iron or a putter better than the competition. Then that's where we have to be really clear with that messaging that it's not just everything's good, but there's obviously a wide array of clubs for every golfer, not just, you know, Tiger Woods, but for, for yeah. everyone. Now, you would be, I guess, not wrong to assume that now is a fairly busy time for the brand, you know, especially on the launch with this new great product, the, the Sim 2 product and the full family of Metalwoods, Fairways, Irons, uh, Rescue. And I would sit here and think, oh, you know, you guys must be so busy, you know, because it's all happening. But, you know, as we were just talking there before, what, what is the real life in the product team, you know, and you're the senior manager for global product, what's the product team looking like now? Well, you know, I mean, it's, it's a constant, um, you know, like for us on the product uh, creation team, our job is to bring product to life. And then we kind of pass the baton to our sales team, our marketing teams. And, um, you know, for, so for us, when we talk, start talking about SIM2 product, I mean, we're kind of done. Like we've already moved on and we've, we are now trying to develop product for the next coming generations of, of things. So for what may be new for everyone else is, is like really the last 18 or more months of what, I, of what we've been working on as, and as a team collectively, I, I hate to say it, but it almost feels a little old. Um, but the technology and like how it works is definitely, you know, better than anything that we've ever come out with, but we're constantly trying to, you know, push the bar and to, continue evolution with, with golf products. Obviously there's rules and there's stipulations within the environment to, to live within those rules, but there's always ways to eke out performance. There's always ways for us to make the golfer better. And we're never going to stop, you know, like we're always going to try to find a way to maybe I can find a few more fairways during the round or make a few more putts. And I think, you know, we can't just be like, yep, here's our driver, have a good day. And then that's just the one that lives on forever. Like we wouldn't be in business if that were the case. So I think, you know, it's that constant, you know, just really kind of never being satisfied to an extent, really never being like, there's always got to be a, another way to get to the destination, right? There's always a way around, whether that's around the rules or whether it's just from a manufacturing limitation or just finding new ways to do something. And I think that's where these particular products definitely showcase that creativity to enhance performance. So. We won't talk about the crystal ball. I imagine if there is a crystal ball in the Carlsbad office, it's got TP5X stamped on it. It's got dimples on it. So <laughs> it, we won't talk about the crystal balling and stuff, but I, I, I get fascinated by just thinking about it because, as I said before, 
you know, my previous world in the car industry, you know, taking people to Stuttgart to see Mercedes-Benz. And the guys that I was taking were, were retail guys, you know, they were used to selling and seeing what they could see, touch and feel right there and then. And then we'd show them a little bit of a sneak behind the curtain of what was coming in two, three and four years down the track. And they'd just be blown away by just the thought that, you know, product eight years, nine years, and this is a car, car so it's obviously much longer uh, runway yep. times. And like, but they were just blown away by the thought that it was so far ahead. And, you know, that's what you're working on. But, you know, we want to talk about this great new product that is on the about to hit the Australian market. By the time this goes out, it will have been in the stores and people, they're all did it. Benji's doing fitting days already. Yep. Um, the, you know, the new Sim 2 family, which I guess is unpacking you know, that previous 18 months worth of your you know, hard blood, sweat and tears of work. So let's let's go back to the start of that. And, and, you know, how do we get from what was probably arguably the best and longest driver that you know, you've made in a while, you know, the, uh, the Sim, how do we get from Sim to Sim 2 and what does that look like? Well, it's a, it's a pretty interesting journey and, you know, we have to kind of take a step back and, and really analyze the performance requirements that we set for these drivers or these irons or these whatever, right? We want to make sure that what we're, what our, our main goal is very clear. And then the people that are a lot smarter than us down in R&D, you know, the engineers, the metallurgists, all these guys that can make an idea a reality, we have to give them kind of a clear path of direction, right? So that's where we kind of have to predict the future just a little bit. That's where we have to kind of gamble just a little bit in terms of, you know, what's going to be the the latest trend or, you know, hell, even colors, you know, colors can be very difficult to pick. You know, it's one of those things where regardless of performance, it's still got to look good, right? It's still got to give you confidence when you look down at it. So all these little details definitely play into the fact of like, how do we take something that we already know is really, really good and then make it better. So we started looking at what made Sim, uh, the original Sim product popular, right? It just went a long way, very stable, very low spin. Obviously you had the aerodynamic properties there. You know, how do we turn that up a notch? You know, how do we, how do we make it just a better product? And, and we knew that when you look at it, forgiveness was something that we could always expand upon, right? People, we're not robots. You know, we don't hit it perfect every single time and neither do the pros, right? You know, there's always you know, that impact location is always changing. You know, it's a, it's a long golf club. It's a, it's a swing that is very long and lengthy and to hit the same spot every time is very difficult. So we really took that, you know, that, that mindset of adding forgiveness across the entire line, but without sacrificing aerodynamic properties, without sacrificing um, that distance that we all know and love, but how do we just give it some more forgiveness? And I think that was really the one clear direction amongst other things too, but forgiveness was one of those things that, any golfer, whether you're brand new swinging for the first time or whether you're Dustin Johnson can all benefit from. So we knew we kind of took that angle and that mindset. And then that, that, that forced us to really get creative with the construction. When we talk about that new driver, there, there's a couple of obvious changes uh, that I can see. And when we look at the new Sim 2, let's talk about that. Now, there's no adjustable weight channel. Why did that go? Because it's been part of that tailor-made driver sort of uh, look and feel for a while. That's a great question. And, you know, we just recently actually posted on our, our Taylor McGough YouTube account, um, like a 30 minute video of Brian Basil, my boss's boss, talking to Tiger Woods and Dustin Johnson and all those guys and, and kind of answering that, that exact question, right? You know, what happened to the movable weight? And when we go back to adding forgiveness, and when we go back to adding stability, there's a lot of mass um, tied up actually in the infrastructure of the track itself that is weight that can be freed up with um, that full carbon sole panel 
and to really you know give the engineers freedom to um, add more forgiveness to the product, to add more consistent ball speed across the entire face. Having that extra weight gives the engineer kind of just more ammo to to make a better driver. And we knew that this was an opportunity for us to forgiveness in this particular instance outweighs the adjustability is kind of what we were um, kind of going with. And I think adjustability has always been kind of, I think, aimed or targeted maybe towards a slightly better player. If you have that forgiveness, you really don't need that shot shape correction. So it's an interesting dichotomy because you always, you always assume by moving the weight around, you're going to change your flight, which it does. Um, but if I can hit one just as far off the toe and still have it go where I want it to end up, you know, it's kind of a, you know, what's, what's best. Right. And I think now we have that opportunity to, to height that, you know, to really increase that forgiveness. Um, but you know, not have that weight track to kind of hinder us um, from that forgiveness. What I, what I guess, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, what I was picking up, you know, just through following all of the socials and the players and the pictures and, you know, I get a little bit detailed look at the picture and I, and I always want to see where the players have that weight track when they had, you know, the, the sim yeah. in, in the previous drive. And invariably it was always marginally off-centre. If it was off-centre, it was marginally off-centre. So that, to me, sort of started to paint the picture that, you know, they've got a little bit of tweaking that they're doing, but really they're not tweaking much. So it made sense that you would then move everything for maximum forgiveness because these guys can hit it great, but why not give everyone max forgiveness if you still could get this, the other properties that you that you desire? Is that sort of what I – do I pick that up yeah, right? That is, yeah, that is absolutely spot on, right? You know, the ultimate goal is to hit the fairway, right? The ultimate goal is to hit it as far as possible, and we knew that – movable weight can, can change that shot shape for us. But at the same time, if we increase that forgiveness, we're going to end up in the same spot mm. um, and have more consistent ball speed across the face. And to your point about, you know, not, you know, a lot of people actually during our studies never actually move the weight. Mm. Okay. So there's people that buy it right off the rack and never move the weight, never adjust the loft sleeve. And it's kind of a disservice to those customers too, that they have technology that, that's there, but maybe, they're too afraid to use it or they don't have a fitter to get them fit. Um, it's just kind of stripping away that one level of maybe, you know, uncertainty um, with the golfer knowing that they have kind of this driver that is, you know, kind of grab and go technology that they can go right to the first tee and not have to worry about anything. It just makes their, their thought process that much more clear. And then the fact that they're going to be swinging a driver that's that much more forgiving just boosts your confidence when yeah. you get right down to it. You know, we were joking before off, off air. We we're talking about our own golf games, but you, you know, you joke about a two-way miss, <laughs> and and and, I, and it sort of even becomes even clearer because if you're ninety-nine percent of the golfers, you know, like that aren't playing at the elite level, um, you know, you've probably got a little bit of a double-sided miss occasionally. And if you go, if you have a weight that moves one way or the other, you know, it doesn't. It plays to one strength, but you've still got another one that's going to come in it, it. You don't want it to exacerbate that, I guess. So yeah. I, I can get exactly where that's gone. So let's talk about the the nub of, you know, this new SIM 2 and SIM 2 Max uh, driver. You know, there's some forged aluminium pieces in there, which just look, uh, I haven't seen it in the flesh, uh, hopefully very soon, but it looks pretty special. Tell me about that. It is. Yeah. So it's, you know, when you get into this, you know, construction mindset and we looked into new ways of making a driver, um, we knew we kind of had to just break it apart and then start analyzing every single component within the structure to eke out every little bit of performance, right? And all drivers for the longest time have been made relatively the same way. It's a, a cast titanium body 
and then there's a face insert that's then welded to the rest of the body. The problem with that construction is that it doesn't allow access to the back of the face. Um, you're still forced using an insert, which in some cases can actually limit how how fast you can make the face. You know, essentially when you put a face insert in and weld it, you are kind of making the outer edges of that face, which could potentially have um, some benefit for forgiveness has now been limited just by the size of the insert in the face. So um, this new construction, I can kind of show you here on the screen, but essentially this new construction is made out of forged aluminum, right? So it's forged first, and then it's actually then machined on the inside. Kind of hard to see here on, on the, yeah. the screen. We actually machine this to exacting tolerances so then it can actually, um, not only does aluminum weigh less than titanium, uh, but, uh, but it now decouples that relationship between just a full cast uh, titanium body and then really allows us to make the face in a one-piece um, milled uh, cup face that you have here. So before, where this used to be, um, a face insert was welded onto the face. Now this is all this one big piece of titanium. This is the only piece of titanium on the entire driver, which is just this face, and it's all one piece. So now we can actually then have access to the back of the face to then fine-tune face thickness and geometry by actually machining the back side of the face. Other companies will machine other areas of the face, but they're still kind of covering up that face insert that's there. We don't have a face insert anymore. Now we're just machining that inverted cone, and that allows us to, to really fine-tune forgiveness. And here's kind of how we're doing it, right? When you look at, when, if you go back a few years and you think you put on your twist face kind of hat a little bit, there was an orientation of how golfers impact the, the, the face, kind of low heel to high toe. So now, because we have access to the back side of the face and we machine it exactly how we want it, we can kind of optimize the sweet spot in that orientation where golfers hit it most, which is that low heel to high toe orientation. So now you can maintain ball speed over areas where you wouldn't been able to hit it or, you know, where you didn't have it before. So yeah. you, now you still have twist face for that um, shot shape correction, but now you're going to be able to maintain better ball speed across a wider area. So th does that mean the speed injection is gone? No. No, it's still in there. It's still there. Still there. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Okay. But the, the, yeah. are the ports still there on the front side? Uh, so the, so there um, there is no more ports on the face. We don't have, actually have to go into the face anymore. Yeah, so now yeah. we can actually go in right through the toe. That actually will go in through the toe and then into this reservoir yeah. that's behind the face. And that allows us to still make every driver that we make illegal when we first make it. And then every driver that is tuned right back down to that limit um, of conformance. So uh, pretty cool stuff. Well, if you listen to this on the podcast, um, you know, you really need to see uh, these two pieces and see how they work in concert. And I, I had been focusing on, until this point because I hadn't really seen the cutaway uh, on that, the aluminum, um, aluminium as we say in Australia, uh, the, <laughs> alum, <laughs> the aluminium uh, piece at the rear. But when you really see that front face cup and know that it's one piece and having seen the inside of numerous drivers from everywhere in shape and form, uh, that's quite amazing. That's quite amazing yeah. to think that that's one piece and that's one of one, two, and, you know, the carbon fiber crown and base, you know, that's another, you know, one or two pieces. It's, it's you can actually, you know, to, to see it kind of come together like this and how um, precise they are, this is not something that we can just slap on the back no. and make it work. These, these have an exacting fit. 
So this aluminum ring is really kind of that cornerstone or foundation um, for the rest of the driver. And, and really to, to give us access to the backside of the face is really, this is doing all the work. This is the foundation. This is the cornerstone that gives us to eke out even more performance out of the face. And if, you know, if these were just one piece, then we don't have access to the, to the back of the face to, to machine it and do all the um, processes that we do to this, to make it more forgiving. So pretty cool stuff here. Um, Now it's, it's else that's been out there before. That's for sure. Now I can see when you show me the backside of that face there, a shape that I'm familiar with having, you know, before I uh, came back to, or when I came back to the game, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Is that, is that in still inverted cone technology? Yeah, you can see it there. Yeah. Um, you saw the inverted cone, which has obviously been a, a staple in every one of our drivers for a long, long time. Yep. I think going back probably to the 300 series. Yep. Um, and that really helps us, you know, kind of maintain ball speed over that wider area. But now when we machine it past the perimeter of the inverted cone, then we get that kind of optimized sweet spot in that orientation where golfers hit it. So pretty cool. So then... The next piece of the puzzle that sits on top of there and on the bottom of there, the full sole and the we're used to carbon fiber or carbon crowns. Let's have a look at that. So that is Yeah, so we have a we have a full carbon fiber sole panel, right? So going back to your question about where the movable weight go, right? In order to, to save all that mass, it went to just creating a ten layer carbon composite sole that sits literally and here's, here's a full driver, but you know, it takes up the entire soul and that's, and that's what gives us that, uh, all that weight savings, right? Is there's nothing there anymore. It's just that carbon fiber panel, um, creating that, you know, really the, the, uh, the, the structure here for us to build upon. So it's, it's really neat. What do you draw from, you know, aerospace and, you know, automotive wind tunneling and aerospace wind tunneling? How does that have a place to play in all of this when you do your own, you know, um, wind tunneling testing? Yeah, for sure. You know, that was a huge story for us. Um, when the first sim came out, you remember the videos where yep. they're, you know, showing the smoke go over the bottom of the driver and still it's very much in that same orientation. That sole panel also includes our rotated inertia generator. So that angled piece here um, gives you better orientation in, in the downswing to optimize aerodynamics during the swing, right? We talked about this last time where, you know, if this piece were just straight, you know, yep. perpendicular to the face, um, essentially halfway down in your downswing, then all the weight, then all the air kind of gets trapped underneath of this. So that that rotated inertia generator helps the air kind of come off the back in the orientation during your swing because you don't swing the face perpendicular to your line the entire entire time. It actually goes open to square to closed. We, we want that orientation to give you as much aerodynamic benefit as possible throughout the entire downswing. So, so that's a staple for us with the, the sim, you know, shape and motion. That is a, that's a very predominant feature for us. So how much more weight is in the rear weight port the, of the inertia generator now in the sim, in the sim two? Well, you have, so kind of going back to different models here, and I'm actually gonna pull up my notes to make sure I don't uh, uh, miss uh, say anything here, but in the original sim two, so this guy here, um, you have 16 grams of weight in the back. Right. And then when you step up into the max, right, you got 24 grams of weight. Yeah. And then in the D type product, you know, that the yep. raw bias product, you got uh, 22 grams of weight. So just to kind of reiterate, too, that, you know, not only are we having um, better weight 
you know, there's, this is more weight back here, but it's also positioned literally yeah. as far back as you could possibly get it. It's low and as far back as you can possibly get it with aerodynamic benefit. So it's, it's kind of doing all of it for us. Now, the next question that I had, um, and it sort of goes back a little bit, but a lot of people ask me, and already they're starting to ask because they know that products come in. They've seen some of the seeding material and information that that's got this full carbon fiber sole plate. They think, how does it get stuck on? You know, how, how, how does it stay on there? I'm fairly familiar with how it is because I've seen it, but, you know, I go back to my car industry and, and you think about the aeronautical industry and the glues that they, they use. Now, if you tell people that many, many parts of a Mercedes-Benz car are stuck on with uh, glue and not rivets and bolts and screws and all of this other stuff, and it's glue, they, they sometimes don't believe you until they see it expanded. Is, is that the similar sort of concept there? Yeah, so when you have the frame kind of put together partially, um, there is a kind of an area here for actually bonding, right? And there's a, there's a lot of engineers and a lot of people that spend a lot of time to analyze, you know, kind of that gap that you have between the sole and the club here. And, and they actually fit together surprisingly precise, right? So, you know, there's no epoxy holding this together right now, um, but there's going to be a fine bead of that epoxy, which goes across the entire perimeter here. And then this, this will get bonded on. And to your point, you know, this is like the same stuff that, you know, airplane wings are held onto yeah. or automotive parts, right? You know, this stuff isn't going to go anywhere. Yeah. I would challenge anyone to do a, uh, a tomahawk contest and slam this thing into the ground and see if they can get that sole to come off. And uh, you'll, you'll do some other damage, but you're definitely not going to be uh, getting that sole panel off anytime soon. So um, same thing goes for the crown, right? So the crown, uh, very much a precision fit and kind of just snaps into place. And here you have a completed driver for the most part. And, you know, so when you, when you break it down by components, you have your crown, you got your sole, you have the ring and the face, you know, it's four parts. And then the weight kind of hanging off the back there. Um, it's, it's pretty, you know, it's funny. It's surprisingly simple, Yeah. but the engineering that went into making this, that, that I have something in my hands to hold right now is pretty crazy to think about. And now we get to go play golf with it. So it's pretty, <laughs> pretty cool. What, what's it like when, you know, you're the engineer guys who are working, you know, in concert with you, but in another part, another team, and then they're coming up with these ideas and, you know, do they, do they run up and say, hey, Chandler, have a look at this. You know, you better come and have a look at what we've just done down here because I think it's going to blow your mind. What, what, how does that work? So it's a pretty interesting you know, relationship, right? There's different levels of, of our R&D department. You have anywhere from product evaluation and durability, and then you have the other groups, which are more kind of, um, kind of dreamers to an extent, right? Um, and we have our, and our team kind of sits right in the middle. So the product creation group, so Brian Basil, Tomo, Matt Bovey, and these guys, we have to kind of steer the ship a little bit because in some cases, what might be a crazy idea, which has some level of benefit, golfers may not like, you know, golfers may not even think that this is good. Um, but from an engineering standpoint, you know, we have to kind of be the voice of the golfer just a little bit. What, you know, if you go back to your Mercedes days, I'm sure some Mercedes engineers could come up with the the craziest car ever that does something crazy. But then when you look at it, it may not look appealing or it may not look, maybe it sounds bad or it rattles or shakes or whatever, right? Um, so we kind of have to, to filter, you know, the engineering kind of conceptual stages and then palletize that in such a way or make it more, not palletize, but like make it more, palatable to the, the end consumer, right? So we always, we're always thinking of um, that person that walks into a store and sees it for the first time. What's the reaction? What are they thinking of? Is it intuitive enough for them to understand? Is it, 
you know, we don't want technology that no one understands what it does um, and then no one's going to buy it. So we, so we definitely have to kind of be the voice of the golfer and make sure that, you know, the top tier players can, can understand it, benefit from it and play it confidently. And that's where we have to, you know, kind of every idea is a good idea and we're, we're never going to turn anything away, but ultimately, you know, Tomo, for example, is really, um, you know, kind of leading that charge a little bit in terms of what's, what's going to be the next great thing. And there's a lot of good ideas, but I think sometimes you have to filter some of those out to have the best ideas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. It's well, well answered. And I just want to be a fly on the wall that, you know, when these ideas get a thrown around, you know, Tomo and Matt and yourself and the other guys there, and then the guys down there in engineering, you know, oh, what's this idea, you know, like, or, or how they, how they interpret it. That, I reckon that'd be yep. uh, interesting, interesting fly on the wall vision. Let's look at the range. So you've got Sim Two, Sim Two Max, Sim Two Max Draw. Yep. Any any changes in the range of the configuration? So we've got the Sim Two at eight, nine, and ten and a half degree heads. We've got the Sim Two Max at nine, ten and a half, and a twelve. Uh, I think the the draw. What's the draw coming in? I can't remember. I, I haven't. Uh, nine, ten and a half, and twelve, 12 as well yeah. on that one. So um, eight degree, nine degree, and ten and a half in the Sim Two. Yep. Yeah, that, that, you know, with that particular model being very low spin and very kind of your lowest launching, kind of lowest spinning option of the three, yep. you know, that's why we have that eight degree option for the guy who just has 185 plus ball speed or for the, you know, that, that college athlete, you know, athlete or the next up and coming pro that, you know, really just needs that knuckleball. Um, yep. Sim 2 definitely is better for that uh, faster, more uh, skilled golfer per se. Um, but it's surprisingly forgiving. And, and that's where, you know, if you're talking to a, a sales guy, or if you're talking to a, a consumer, one of the strategic things that we did is that we want to make all these drivers appealing to all golfers. Mm. So yes, we cater the loss accordingly, but at the same time, you know, at first glance, there may not be a ton of difference, but um, there's a lot of cases where the maybe not so good golfer could benefit from the SIM two and maybe not the D. So it's a pretty, you know, and that was like, we didn't want to make any, anything look too intimidating and we didn't want to, you know, off-put anybody. So the consumer has kind of an open book to pick from. And once again, I haven't seen the product in my hands, but from what I gather, you know, you didn't want to lose that beautiful tailor-made shape. You know, there, there seems to be some yep. consistency from top down between the sim and then into the sim too. Is that, was that part of the plan that, you know, we've got this shape nailed. Let's not go with too far away from this top down, beautiful look. It looks yeah, you know, I'm really glad that you mentioned that because we take a lot of pride in not only the look of our product, but the sound of our product too. Mm -hmm. And that comes down to the confidence that you have when you look down at something for the first time. And I think we even, and I may have even used this exact line in our last podcast, but you can use it again at first sight. Like you, you have to look down at it and I can't tell you how many times when I was selling golf clubs where someone looks down at something and ah, I just don't like the way that looks or, um, you know, they're already off to a bad start mm. before they taken their first swing with the product. And you have to nail that kind of that first reaction because it, it builds confidence. And when you got confidence, you swing harder. When you got confidence, you're going to tee it up a little higher and, and, and try to hit it a little bit further. And I think um, we didn't want to deviate away from our shape. Like our shape is tried and true. Um, you know, the best players in the world love it. Um, and it doesn't really offend anybody, right? We have that, um, we did go to that matte um, kind of black crown this year versus the chromium crown that we had last year. 
And that was really just to kind of change it up and make sure that people know that, hey, this is the new one, um, because there is some similarities between the two when it comes to shaping. So we wanted to kind of highlight some of that too with the color change, but um, it's very uniquely tailor-made and we didn't want to mess with that recipe too much. Is there any other key points in the driver that you know, we need to, we haven't unpacked or we need to go into a little bit more? Do you, do you know how many sort of the splits between, and I'm not going to pin you down to numbers, but you know, obviously the, the draw head with the draw uh, weight port position there's obviously a, a certain degree of golfers that that type of club suits and probably more than more than you know i guess the players want to let on you know that guy that has that big sort of you know right-handing sense that left to right but do you, do you know if that's growing in popularity that segment with this draw bias because it seems now that everyone's doing it you know you, you've been doing it for a while but everyone's moving to three heads and that sort of thing do you, do you, how does that go yeah. about for the right-handed golfer, I mean, let's face it, most golfers hit it from left to right. That's just the nature of the golf swing. Everyone goes a little out to in with a little bit open face or a closed face even, and they're always looking for that help, right? And and there's two different, you know, and that's really the mass of the golfing population is the recreational golfer. So how do we take that golfer, give them all the benefits, but not put on any training wheels? And I do want to take a moment to at least address the fact that we – tailored the sim 2 max d product uh specifically for really the golfing masses and, and we did something that um, from an engineering standpoint a lot of people never really think about and I, and I actually take a lot of pride in the fact that to tell this story because it is such a good one right i'm going to ask you this question and i'm going to see if you can get it right so what happens when you take all the weight from the back of the driver right and you move it to the heel um what do you think happens right so all the weight from the back and you move all the weight to the heel. Yep. Okay, so we get a little bit more uh, faster rotation of the toe. Yep. Uh, yep. But, but then you would be losing uh, the, the sweet spot or the CG would change. So the CG would move in a different, in an undesirable part of the face, I'd imagine. And, you know, the MOI decreases a little bit because you move the weight down to, you know, closer to the face. Yep. Yeah, so you absolutely nailed it. Most people, when I ask that question, they just say, oh, yeah, you know, the weight goes to the heel, and then now it's more draw bias. But what a lot of people fail to realize is that this is the furthest back, all this weight from the face to the back, that's the furthest point from the back center, right? When you start moving that weight all the way down to the heel, you actually lose a lot of your stability. So a the 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 golfer that needs this draw bias also needs a lot of stability in the process with that. Um, so we didn't just shove a bunch of weight in the heel to make it more draw bias. We actually moved some weight to the heel, and you can see it in that, that, that little weight has now been shifted more towards the heel. So there's definitely mass there to help get that toe to rotate through just a little bit quicker to help uh, kind of correct that slice. But we didn't just take all the weight out from the back because we wanted to make sure that we this golfer still needs stability. Yeah. So not only does their driver have – um, still just a bunch of weight in the back. I think it's 22 grams of weight in the back. But they also have a 15% um, higher MOI than our last year's uh, driver in terms of stability. So they're really increasing the stability in the product where the golfer who needs it the most. And we did that by this inertia generator, right, for the, the SIM 2 and the SIM 2 Max is relatively central, just kind of up about 13 or so degrees. We took the entire track on the draw and we actually moved it towards the heel. So rather than just shoving the weight from here to here, we move the entire track down closer to the heel part of the club, which still gives us that weight being split between the back mm-hmm. and also the heel. So a huge increase in stability for this golfer 
And a lot of people will never realize the fact that we did that on purpose, but by moving the track more keelward and not just moving the weight um, gives this golfer just a ton more stability because let's face it, they're going to hit it everywhere on the face. Let's give them a big face with a high, um, a, a draw bias design with high MLI. I think for the recreational golfer, I mean, fit as many people as you can into that product because it's definitely going to see benefits of getting that ball moving um, more right to left. And that bigger face really just aids in forgiveness and gives them this kind of more opportunity for success. So I can get all, you know, kind of talking about what's right for DJ, but you know, the 90% of the other golfers that are out there, um, we have, I, in my opinion, we have probably the best product that we've ever made for the golfing population. And it's really, really cool. Now, in, in talking about that Max D, you know, you, you refer to the, the, the white port and moving that here. Would, let's talk about the white port for a little second. And, and it's in the, the Max and, and the Sim 2, the Sim 2 Max and the Sim 2. Is that designed uh, for the tall guys to be able to adjust and fine tune a little bit of weight bias due to their you know, personal conditions and launch criteria? Yeah, definitely. You know, as we really try to pave a way into um, customization and personalization with our products, everyone's a little bit different, right? More people are being fit than ever, and people are taking customization that much more seriously. And so we had to do the same thing. So that weight port not only shifts from middle to to heel on all of our three of our drivers, but it allows us to uh, fine-tune that swing weight. So whether you have a longer length or a shorter length, or you play a different shaft configuration or your grip is real heavy because it's a jumbo size or whatever the case may be. Um, we can actually adjust the weight between I think a half a gram all the way up to 12 grams of weight, depending on the configuration of how you build your driver. So when you order it from us, that weight will be then tailored to the golfer and to the, the target swing weight that we desire. So um, I think standard swing weight for these guys comes in right around D4, D4 and a half or so. Mm -hmm. We're going to do whatever we can to make sure that this driver is at a playable swing weight because I don't want you ordering a driver at 44 and a half inches or 45 inches and then it comes in at C8 swing weight. Like, that's not fair to the golfer. That's not fair to the consumer who just spent $529 US um, for a brand new driver and then now it doesn't feel right or they got to slap a bunch of lead tape on the bottom to get the swing weight right. That's not like for me, I hate lead tape because it's a sign of a poor build. I'm, there's a certain element of a cool factor that comes with throwing a little lead tape on your irons or whatever. But um, I think a proper build, you should never see anything on the bottom of a driver or an iron. Um, just it, my two cents on that one. Yeah, but, and it, but it's relevant because it's certainly a question that I um, face fairly regularly. You know, not everyone comes in looking for you know the holy grail and new product, you know, because there's a different market and a different price point for everyone. But some people come in with their current product and, and they see you know players playing longer, shorter, et cetera, whatever. And they, they walk up and they go, can you just cut an inch off that? And and my response is, well, you know, if I cut an inch off that, it's going to mess with the club and it's balanced totally. And first, you know, it's a smaller minority that understand that and understand what the balance of the club is and swing weighting. But the majority that just think that they bought something online, not being fitted, it's a bit long for them and they just snip an inch off the end and that will fix it. They don't understand that what that does, you know, the balance of the, you know, it ends up in being see something and, you know, it's too light and you have to put weight on it and balance it up. And, and once they realize that, they go, oh, right, 
oh, I don't want I don't want lead weight on there. I didn't want that. I just wanted it shorter. Well, it's um it's a big education for a lot of people that you know are sort of getting into this get fit and they're trying to self fit and and buy things and and not shortcut the system and not shortcut things, but you know take shortcuts in a sense and they don't understand what, <laughs> they don't understand what it all, what all that means. And same with grips, you know, they say well, I want to put four tapes on you know, this mid-size grip and I want to make it a jumbo size and, and you show them the difference in the in the swing weight points and then all of a sudden they can't feel the head and and, uh, yeah. and, they're, and they're not it's it's a it's a fun part because I'm educating and we're educating and it's good to know that and I don't think everyone does understand it even at my level but it's good to be able to know that and for you to you know I guess reinforce that point that it is really important to understand you know when you are getting fit for a driver and fit for length that it's not just you know ordering a shorter shaft it's it's ordering a, a club that's built to suit that shorter shaft or longer shaft. Yep, for sure. You know, and kind of like what I said before, golfers are now I think more aware than ever mm. um, because they are realizing that you know these clubs aren't cheap, and you don't want to just walk up and then buy one and assume that it's right. And in some cases, you know, it is. There's there's a large amount of golfers that can play literally right off the yeah. rack and be just completely fine with it. But when you're spending this kind of money and you're buying a premium tailored product you want to make sure it's it's like buying a suit like a nice expensive suit and it's not fitted properly like i would rather have the cheap suit that's fitted properly in some cases but i think you know when it comes down to you know you're making your first big purchase or you're um really trying to beat your buddies and your sunday foursome like you want every advantage you can get and to your point when you just cut an inch off the end you know that all, all that work that we've done on our end to make this thing play and swing and 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 give you all the benefit that you can kind of just goes right out the window unless it's built the way that you want it. And um, that's why having these ports really gives us an advantage to fine tune every driver that comes off our custom assembly line to do that for you. So I read uh, somewhere in the notes, split mass weighting. What, what is split mass yes. weighting? Yeah. So it's, you know, it's, it's not just having kind of the weight uh, just all in the back, right? Mm-hmm. You know, if you have all the weight just in the back, then it turns into kind of a one dimensional product mm-hmm. where this does one thing really well. Um, for the fact that we can actually separate the mass just a little bit, um, which actually adds some forgiveness, um, believe it or not, and helps us kind of control and mitigate spin as well. Mm. Some drivers in the market, once again, don't want to name names, but if you just have all the weight in the back, um, what kind of tends to happen is that you end up what's called with dynamic lofting, right? You have all this weight in the back, and as you swing it, the club will actually will, will want to rotate around the center of mass, and when you rotate around the center of the mass, once all the way in the back, you're actually adding loft, you're adding spin. Yes, it might be really forgiving, um, but then you're just shooting yourself in the foot by just adding all this unnecessary launch and spin, um, and now you lose all your distance. So having this split mass weighting really allows the engineers to, to fine-tune kind of how this club performs throughout the swing. And then as an added benefit, really that customization um, when you order a custom product to fine-tune that swing weight. So splitting the mass to not just be one dimensional and then giving that customization portion too. And, you know, my favorite term in, in golf club uh, building and fitting is shaftology. <laughs> okay. <laughs> how, how, how have we gone with the, um, the shaft matrix for the SIM 2 and SIM 2 Max? Are we sticking with, I think I saw, uh, what did I see, Tensile, Tensile Blue Raw and did I see the new Hazardous Smoke RDX feature in there? Uh, what else yep. did I see? Yeah, you got the, um, so basically, you know, when you get, you know, when you start breaking down each driver uh, by itself, you know, there's obviously a, a target audience for each, right? So we actually cater the component packages um, for these drivers um, 
based on who's most likely to buy them. Yeah. So with Sim 2, um, you have your Mitsubishi Tensei Raw AV Blue, which is kind of your mid-launch, middle-low spin, very smooth profile. Fits a lot of golfers really well. Um, but then for those more, um, you know, stronger players, we have that, you know, the the hazardous smoke black RDX um, comes in a 70 gram option, definitely higher bend point, more penetrating ball flight, um, kind of just more stable by design, definitely targeting kind of your faster swing speed players. And then in the max, the uh, Sim 2 max, we went with the tried and true Ventus blue, um, very much right up the gut in terms of performance. It gives us exactly what we're looking for in terms of good combination of distance, a good feel and stability. And then on top of that, um, which in some cases can maybe be forgotten about, but we ha- we brought back that Kurokage fifth generation series in the silver, um, kind of that slightly lower um, 60 gram range, but kind of that more penetrating flight, but in that 60 gram range versus the 70 gram RDX. So you have kind of something for everyone there. And then in the draw bias product, uh, we went with the Fujikura Airspeeder 45. So super lightweight, super tip flexible, really designed to get that ball to turn over. And ultimately with that lighter weight, swing it a little bit faster because you know, this golfer is really looking for distance and forgiveness. And that was just kind of a no brainer for us to, you know, something that's just a forgiving, smooth feeling, you know, like you don't have to swing 110% to make it work. You can put your, your kind of no warm up swing on it and get all the results that you need. So we're really happy with the decision that we fit um, that Airspeeder 45 into that product. It's done really well so far. That's a, a good cross section of you know standard and stock shafts, and you know to your point of getting fit and, and getting something off the rack. You know, I find that there's usually something that pretty much suits a lot of golfers, but there are other shafts that are available. I don't I don't have access to the full matrix um, at hand just here, but the, there's a number of other shafts that will be um, available. You can check that out when when we by the time we get this, uh, I might put it in the notes. But um, I I was a fan of the. Um, the link you in my sim that I have just sitting over there, so yep, under, there the, it is. under that white head cover, um, the the link you shaft. That, yeah, the USC they, link yeah, is uh, you know very much you know, from what I understand that kind of you know smooth feeling, but yet kind of lower launching helps really kind of mitigate spin a little bit too. Uh, it's been a, a very popular custom option for us. It's done pretty well. Okay, let's move into fairway. Yeah, Sim Two Fairway. Um, this was a this was a fun one for us um, because we knew um, there was one guy out there that we who was hyper. He would kind of scrutinize us almost a little bit too much, and uh, was Tiger Woods, right? So giving you a, kind of a peek at some of the feedback that we got from literally Tiger himself was. Um, the original Sim Titanium Fairway, he just didn't really like, he, he, he loved the performance, loved how it sounded, loved how it felt. He just didn't love the shape and the size. Um, if you um, kind of take a peek into his bag now, you know, he was still kind of using that M3 5 wood, right, which had more of that, that pear-shaped, um, little lower profile, but, you know, very classically shaped product. And, you know, he said, like, hey, this is one of my favorite fairway woods, like, ever. Like in his entire career, like, why can't I just get a three wood that looks like this? So essentially we took um, the Sim 2 titanium fairway wood and we actually made it smaller. It's all, all the way down to 170 cc's mm-hmm. versus 180 from last year. And which seems kind of like, why would you do that? And A was a lot of that feedback from Tiger. He just liked that more pear shaped, that more traditional look behind the ball. But we didn't want to take away the forgiveness for us. It was like, well, a part of the... Uh, um, shape of the first one was that it's very forgiving, 
Um, it's, it's, it's a nice size, it, you know, appeals to all players. Guys like Colin Morikawa absolutely loved it. Um, but it was one of those things where, you know, I don't want to take something away just to make it smaller. Like how do we kind of keep what we had or, or increase it, but then give us that, that shape. So, we, so what we did, if you remember the D steel sole on the first one, you know, that, that's that steel sole weight, but a lot of weight was actually positioned up front um, for us to really kind of control spin, um, give you that really hot, powerful trajectory with the fairway wood to give you kind of that just monster off the tee or that, just crazy fast fairly wood. Um, one of the things that we have is that um, um, we actually took some of that weight and we moved it all the way to the back. So we made the head smaller, but we actually shifted the weight all the way to the back part of the club um, to give you that forgiveness that that bigger club really provided. So um, really, really cool to, to play with that, that weight distribution to give you the forgiveness in that smaller head. And we've actually lowered the center of gravity it's not going to sound like a bunch, but 0.3 millimeters. We actually lowered the CG, increased the MOI, um, and then really gave us that more compact look. So, um, thankfully, we got his approval already <laughs> in November when he saw it for the first time. Yeah, um, he's like, "Thank you, like this looks great." So, when he's back up and swinging again, hopefully, he'll be uh, yeah. putting that in play amongst other guys too. But uh, it'll be good. Well, we joked about that uh, last time we caught up. You know, who, who's who's the guy that walks out with? on the range at the uh at the product launch time and gives tiger his clubs and then waits for the you know the pause he he definitely has uh uh the opportunity to work with those guys most closely but uh you know it's always pre- it's, it's got to be pretty nerve-wracking right you know here you go yeah like you know like you just sit and wait and kind of wait, it's like slow motion as he puts it right, down into so. plane position oh good <laughs> exactly it's it's crazy to, it's it's just insane to think that so much work and effort goes into you know that moment of approval with you know someone who was essentially you know i don't if the right term has built the golf industry to what it is today you know we had this i did some uh analysis on some uh playing figures and goes back to 2000 when when the game was at its peak and um there's still so much upside with all these people new play people playing now you know the increase is still um there's still upside but you know, I said, "What's what's with the, the peak at 2000?" And and someone said, "It was Tiger." And uh, yeah. you know, he he really did help you know get us to where we are today and 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 keep us there. So you know, he needs to get back playing, Tiger. Get back playing. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm glad yeah. he likes that. I'm, I'm glad he likes that fairway. Sorry, I cut you off there. Yeah, he definitely opened up um, golf to the masses in terms of you know just drawing exposure to people that have never even thought of golf before, you know, let alone showed any interest. But now it's like golf is cool because of him. You know, golf's cool. You know, the 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 whole generation on the PGA Tour right now they grew up watching Tiger. I mean, how cool is that? I mean, yeah. the, I mean, it's it's pretty neat. Now, one of the new players in the roster. Now, when we spoke to Benji. Oh. You know, last year, the year before, you know, he had just come back from, I think, Japan at the Zozo. And I remember he was, um, who's the boss on tour? Um, we got uh, Keith Sabarbaro and he, a couple other guys. Yeah, he's, yeah. I think, I'm pretty sure he was with Keith. And they were out there with, he told the story of working with Tommy and trying to get a fairway into his bag. Well, I'm sure Benji Benji is not going to take credit for the whole deal, but uh, you know, maybe part of it. But now you've got Tommy. You know, he comes in new and he's been playing a whole mixed bag of stuff. Does you know, do you take what happens when Tommy says, Well, I I don't like that feed. oh, I want that shape or I like that shape or you know, does that sort of get thrown into the mix? Oh, for sure. I mean, any any of these top tier athletes, um, their feedback is extremely important, right? And I think, you know, no 
no suggestion is a bad suggestion. You know, obviously I wish I could work closer with some of these guys too um, in my day to day, but you know, that feedback makes it all the way back to us. And, you know, we do the best that we can to possibly make everyone happy. Mm-hmm. Um, our, our department is in a, is, is in a pretty unique situation because if I took feedback from everybody, mm-hmm. you know, every golfer, every person who played golf, everyone has a different opinion. Yeah. And I, I think you have to kind of weed through all that noise and then kind of like, I think this is what this person's saying, even though they're saying it differently, or um, these golfers over here say this. And when you get right down to it, I think, you know, it's not just like the three wood example. I mean, you know, that was very much Tiger, right? And you know, that was very much his opinion because we knew that his voice is pretty predominant. And if he doesn't like it, then, well, we would, you know, wouldn't have one in play. But we knew that if he liked it, then a lot of other people were going to yeah. like it too. So we have to kind of, take that feedback with a grain of salt, but you know, we welcome Tommy to the team and um, he's going to open up a lot of different ideas for us. He's going to draw a lot of attention for our brand and he's just a cool guy, you know, for what I hear and I haven't had a chance to meet him personally before, uh, yet, but um, he's definitely has his own ideas of ways of, you know, kind of tailoring his bag to what he likes and he's, you know, got kind of a mixed bag at the moment, but I think, you know, he's obviously in all, all of our stuff. Um, I think there's a couple wedges that he, we're still trying to get him with, but that stuff takes time. A lot of these guys don't switch 100% overnight, but, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what his opinion and what his feedback brings to our team. Because if you look back at his career, he's actually played a lot of our product over the last, you know, three, four, five years. And he's he's always been kind of a tailor-made guy with his driver for a long time. And um, it's nice to see that he was able to join the family. Yeah, well, he's one of the more impressive ball strikers uh, in the game, and you know what I like about Tommy—he's a, you know, he's a two-tour guy. You know, he he knows his origins in Europe, and you know, he just played in Abu Dhabi and performed, you know, pretty well uh, last week. But you know, he'll head back to the PGA Tour, and he's he's a he's a genuine two T guy, um, which always for me, I love seeing him in Europe, but I love watching him in America. He, he'll he'll crack that win uh, over there in the states fairly soon, I'm sure. Oh, now, for sure, yeah, no doubt. Now back to the fairways. So Sim Two Ti Beast Deal. Yep. We've talked about that. Let's talk about Sim Two Max fairway. So Sim Two Max, okay. obviously, this was an interesting one for us because current Sim Max fairway works really well. Mm. Um, this is where you know, kind of going back to that original theme of forgiveness, we actually upped the size with this one. We're at 190 cc's for the three wood. Mm the max, but at no detriment to free. So we actually added forgiveness. That size helps us with MOI, um, but we actually helped with the um, uh, turf interaction by actually changing how the V steel um, product functions, right? You know, there's always this constant battle of, um, you know, changing the center of gravity to, to affect performance, but at the same time, you're dealing with turf interaction, right? With a, with a fairly wood, especially. Yeah. Um, that V-Steel sole, we actually took the heel and toe areas and we actually raised them up into the head for bed, so that V-Steel is now more predominant um, to get to the ground even better or those battle eyes even better, but at no detriment to the CG. Right? So we're at CG neutral or even slightly lower than we were before, even though we actually raised the heel and toe sections up into the head. So we're really kind of, you know, giving you all that forgiveness that you knew and loved with um the original Sim Max fairly woods, but in Sim 2, um, you just have that much better, that bigger head for more stability, but then also at the same time, that better turf interaction that you wouldn't get before, even with a smaller head. So by raising up the heel and the toe, then that V-steel then just is able, allows you to channel through the through the turf. Yep. And, yep. and maintain, with that one. Yep. maintain a little bit of stability, I imagine, you know, a little bit less sort of angular twist or whatever, but just, just cuts through a little bit and skids through. 
Yep, yep, uh, you have that. And then also we're still using uh, C300 face material, so it's extremely light, extremely flexible, and extremely strong. So these things are fast. Yeah. You know, we, we keep talking about forgiveness during this uh, conversation, but let's just, I want to make sure everyone knows that these things still go a long way. Uh, that is without fail that they work like a cannon, especially that um, the 14-degree one back in the in the Sim Ti, Sim 2 Ti. Oh, that 14, that's just like a... Launcher. Oh yeah, the rocket. Yeah, the rocket. Yeah. Now did yeah, that's, back, a, that's a missile. Back to the, the Sim Max too. Um, did we add the we we've added the high launch back in? Yep, three HL is back. That was yeah, that's I mean, good. That is how good. How many people have been like, thank you yeah. for bringing that back? Like, I'm actually one of them. I got. Yeah. I'm admittedly not a very good fairway wood player. Typically, before this, I, I would actually go driver five wood for rescue is like my typical top part of my bag. Uh, but now since I have a 3HL back, um, I can kind of do things a little bit differently again. So I probably go driver, 3HL, and then have a nice gap into like a three hybrid versus the four hybrid that I played before. So, um, yeah, people were asking that forever, and we knew we just couldn't say no again. So it's back. So 3HL is back 16 and a half degrees, so kind of that four wood. If you're listening to this at home and you know, you're wondering, you know, why we're both sitting here with high levels of excitement that a 16 and a half degree, you know, three wood sized head club is back in the bag, you know, from my perspective, when you guys had that, it just made so much sense in, you know, fitting people for a full bag variety you know it just a three and a five sometimes it just took away access to another club i.e a wedge that someone may have benefited someone you know they didn't need a five wood they didn't quite need the three wood they hit their driver pretty well but they needed something for that sort of fairway option and they needed a fairway finder off the t1 driver uh, wasn't the, the right option you know, we got a lot of short fours in the sand belt especially in melbourne you know a lot of really strategic short fours you know tight driving holes yeah. um, and that sort of which almost like a forward uh, option um, became very, very valuable, but then also allowed you to get another wedge in to give them another scoring option uh, down at that part of the bag. So it just, and with the distance that they go, you know, that nice high ball flight and so much uh, ease of strike with the bigger head uh, was just very, 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 very valuable. So I can't wait um, to have that back in the bag or in the in selling them uh, because it just makes so much sense. Yeah, it definitely opens up a whole other world of just like, opportunity for the golfer, you know, to your point, you know, just getting fit or having a club that they just have, you know, more success with because there's more loft, right? Let's just not forget about that. Loft in some yeah. cases yeah. just be all the the only thing the golfer really needs is just more loft and uh having that extra degree and a half can make a big difference sometimes. And you know, let's talk about the other other um uh, options a, a seven and a nine would yep yeah so if, if you're a either slower swing speed or if you're Dustin Johnson He's playing our Sim 2 Max for uh, 7 wood, yeah. um, which is crazy, you know, because, you know, he sees the benefit of launching something extremely high and dropping it soft from 250 yards. Like, for me, I'm just, you know, just happy to get close to the green, but he's actually thinking strategically where he wants to hold the green and that added benefit of having that much loft on a fairway wood gives him the speed that he needs at a rescue in some cases can't provide you because you're dealing longer shaft a bigger head um it's just gonna go further right but he's gonna launch it high with 21 degrees and just it's, it's gonna go up there and stop remember at the masters you know he didn't have the new stuff yet but i think it was on hole eight he had a, a seven wood from like 248 yards uphill 
um, and just hit it like, I don't know, 15, 20 feet or, you know, whatever it was. But now he's putting for eagle where before he did that to like feather in a five wood or um, try to muscle a rescue, which may not get all the way there. So look for more seven woods on tour this year. That's all I can kind of tell you. I think it's, you'll see more out there. Well, if I can give you an example, a recent example of how, you know, the marketing and, and what people play on tour translates into MySpace. I've had several guys, not so many girls, but several guys walk in and ask, oh, I want to get fitted for a seven wood just in in recent times. Since, you know, DJ put the seven wood in the bag, clearly, uh, people going, yep. oh, I want to get fitted for a seven wood. And yeah, uh, I think the uh, stigma is gone. You know, you know, people used to think, oh, I, I can't play that. That's for, that's for kids or that's for ladies. No, it's like, who cares what it says on the bottom? Mm. Does it give you the, res- the results that you want? Put it in play. Like, who cares? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I think you agree. It's already started to happen. Um, and I've, you know, told my guys, I said, we might need to plan for, for this and, and have some stock, you know, more stock weight on hand and have a demo here and, and allow, people, yeah. allow people to have that experience of a seven wood and, and, and looking at the characteristics of flight and drop versus, uh, you know, a, a four iron or, or whatever, you know, the, the, the requisite distances are. So, yeah, that's, um, yep. that's absolutely happening. Now, let's keep talking. Rescue? Yes, rescues are great. So we've added, <laughs> we've gone back to, we've added another rescue back in. We did. Um, so as you know, you know, this time last year, um, we had huge success with our SimMax rescue um, to the point where we didn't even think we were going to have that amount of success. Um, I don't know if you know the story or not, but almost a year ago, um, actually more than a year ago, back in November of last year, we had a, a our, our tour shoot and that's when I built every tour player at the photo shoot, a rescue, just kind of almost for fun. And McElroy picks it up and he starts peppering flags from, you know, 240 yards. And he's like, why have I never played this before? Then DJ got one and then Kyle Morikawa got one. And then everyone else was like, okay, like these things work really, really good. Um, So we knew we had something on our hands that was working, you know, the old stigma and you probably know this where, you know, the hybrids go left, they, they snap hook or I can't play that. It, looks weird for whatever reason. I think we nailed it with a uh, sim max in terms of look CG location, launch and spin high launch, not a ton of spin, uh, very neutral weighted and just great utility club for the top part of your bag. Um, we knew though, going into 2021, there's a segment of golfers who still didn't want to like, yes, McElroy and DJ were playing our game improvement rescue, but there's still some people that were maybe off put by the size or the footprint so we, we came out with a SIM2 adjustable rescue. So you have our loft sleeve, which you can change plus or minus a, a degree and a half. You can get it in a two, a three, and a four. Um, and it's more of an iron rescue. And not like a DHY, but we're talking more, when you look at the face profile and you look at it from, from face on, it looks more like an iron. You have a, a higher toe, you have a straighter leading edge, um, and it just looks more iron-like, and it's really meant to be kind of that iron replacement for the better player in that more compact shape as well. And in theme with that, we decided to give this guy just a murdered-out look, you know, black top line, black cosmetics, all black everything, and it just looks mean behind the ball. It looks very utilitarian. And the shaping journey on that, some people will say, well, that's just a regurgitated Adams product from way back when. No, it is completely different from the ground up, um, from the CG locations to the face progression to like the whole deal. Um, I think we're going to see a, a nice mix between the Max and then the Sim 2 on tour and also at retail. I think you're still going to sell more Max at retail, 
Um, but that's him too for that better player who maybe wants to squeeze one out and hit like a little, you know, stinger with a divot. And he's like definitely playing it more like an iron mm. versus sweeping it more like a fairway wood. Now there's two options. So from the fitter's perspective, you can kind of get a sense of how the golfer will, will play the rescue. You know, for me, I tend to sweep the ball. So I'm still going to be playing the max just because I like that extra height. But for the guy who just wants to dig one out of the ground, um, Sim 2 is a great option for people. So will that fit in just as another option alongside uh, DHY and UDI? Yep. Yeah, definitely fits right in. You know, definitely fits right in between where um, UDI and DHY are very much irons. Yeah. It's, a, it's an iron with forgiveness. Yeah. Um, where the Sim 2 um, rescue is definitely a rescue, right? You got bulge and roll. You got twist face. You got your speed pocket. You got all the bells and whistles just in that more smaller um, footprint. We gain a, we gain another rescue. We gain a 16 and a half degree uh, three way, three wood sized. Beautiful. We gain another rescue for you know, those players that want that strong ball flight. And then we go Sim2 Max. What changes there with the Sim2 Max uh, hybrid, uh, rescue? So Sim2 Max, uh, very much like the fairway woods, we actually reconfigured that sole design for better turf interaction, right? So we have a ton of success with the launch and spin and CG location and stability um, that we had with the first one, but now we raised in those kind of those um, the heel and toe areas, and while shifting more weight to the back, we just kind of up to the forgiveness level uh, with this guy, right? So from the address shape, very similar. We're not going to tell you it's completely different; it's very similar. Uh, but at the same time, we just up the forgiveness. I made it just go through the ground a little bit better. We didn't want to change a ton because what we knew we had was we've never actually sold more rescues than than ever with, with the last one. So we we have a good thing going and we really don't want to flip it upside down just because. Well, I can only echo uh, that fact because you could not get a uh, Simmax uh, 3 rescue stiff for love nor money. Uh, I think if there was a market for them, they would have increased in value 150% uh, <laughs> in, uh, during the time in the, in the recent times because they were just... Uh, Unobtainable, unobtainable, um, and but that's a sign that uh, they're popular. So you hit the nail yep. on the head. The Iron Family. We talked last time when the P Series uh, family of irons had just come out, and you know when you're on a good thing when people just walking up and and wanting to hit them and feel them and 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 talk about them. And there was a lot of activity and a lot of press and a lot of marketing around that. Uh, even to the fact that you know a friend of the podcast, another previous guest. We've talked about Matt Bovee. You know, when you look at the WRXs and those guys now, they call it the Bovee iron. Um, but we move into the, the the Sim family, which was a very, very successful range of irons from my perspective. We now also carry over that into the Sim 2 Max range of irons. You know, is this the Bystet? Is this the Bovee iron? Is this is this the Chandler Carr iron? What, what happens here with this family? Well, so, you know, in terms of design, obviously very much a team effort um, being led by Matt, right? So... The target consumer for these irons are very much the game improvement golfer, the person the, who wants to hit it as far as possible. They want as much forgiveness as possible. They're your more recreational player, um, but they can move the ball pretty good, but they're obviously looking for every advantage that they can get, right? You know, maybe you, your last set of irons is five years old or six years old and you're time to re-up into that. You know, we're not getting any younger, but people still want to hit it the same distance. You know, let's see. People always want to hit it a long way, but how do we give you that distance how do we give you that forgiveness, but wrap it up in a package that makes you feel good, right? And I think um, we, we're actually introducing a, a new design concept this year called uh, cap back design. And basically what that means is that, you know, very much like the driver where we had to reconfigure how we make the driver to aid in forgiveness with the iron, um, we actually had to rethink how irons are, are made 
to add forgiveness or to add forgiveness to the golfer, right? When you look at the game and the game improvement sector, right, of clubs, generally everything is a cavity back iron. You have undercuts and you have these, you know, we have our speed pocket and there's a lot of technology wrapped up into game improvement product that goes sight unseen. Inverted cone, low CG, multi-material construction. But it's generally, you know, at first glance, oh, it's just a cavity back iron. You know, what could be different? So we looked at how do we maintain face flexibility? How do we add forgiveness? So cap back design. And the best way that I can describe it is that we're removing and taking everything from off the face. Um, any game improvement iron that you look out there now generally has a, a badge which sits up against the face. Mm-hmm. What we do is that we actually redesigned the entire back bar of the, of the club. So we have a, we, um, where speed bridge for us really was that member that tied together the top line of the club and the bottom of the club. That's what provided that good sound, the good feel, ultimately gives us a lot of um, stability in the product from a sound and feel standpoint. But it's also kind of heavy, right? You know, you know, we'll talk about moving weight lower, but even in the irons, that speed bridge, you know, sits right across the back of the cavity and it's, you know, kind of high up. Yep. So how do we give you the same performance or better performance and then push that weight even further down? So the cap back design essentially has allowed us to um, create a whole other cavity back iron and by removing everything from the face, right? Whenever you add something to the face, it kills speed whether it's attached to the back of the product or whether it's inside the cavity, whatever you do, you put in the back kill speed. So we knew that we could redesign the back cavity to accept the badge or the, our, our polymer badge away from the face. So we're essentially taking that badge, which sat right up against it, pulled it all the way out to the edge of the face. And then that new design essentially gives you the same benefit of, you know, great sound and feel, a ton of forgiveness, a ton of ball speed. Now the face is kind of free to flex mm-hmm. no matter where you hit it, whether your toe or heel top or bottom. Now there's opportunity for that face to flex and not be inhibited by any sort of um, badging or any sort of cosmetic treatment that would have normally sat on the back. So we took the cavity back iron, we removed, um, we redesigned the structure of the head to give you all that stability for good sound, good feel, um, unparalleled distance and forgiveness we're moving that badge off the back or from the face to the back. And that's what's really providing us and opening up that world of forgiveness. And we're actually able to capture a lot more shots in the sweet spot than ever before. So now really this golfer can hit it everywhere and still have an opportunity to catch one solid and get to the green or get over the bunker um, or just, you know, make it more playable as a whole. So. I could actually talk about this all day, but it's it's one of those things where. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a question because yeah. you know I think a lot of people read the, the concepts of, of face flexing, and I I don't think people really put enough emphasis on understanding what it is. And can you explain the importance of you know having a face that flexes? And because you know, people look at a golf club and it's like an inanimate object, and they think it shouldn't bend when you hit it, but that's all part of the design. That you know when you hit the projectile with a projectile, you know that face flexing is having that beneficial impact of forgiveness. Can you explain a little bit more of how that is achieved? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, let's use the speed pocket as an analogy, right? Because it's really easy to understand, right? So we cut a slot in the bottom of the iron to basically take away any restriction and allow the face to flex more often, right? To your point, when you look at an iron at first glance, you think it's just a hunk of metal and it's it's, it's solid, it's not going to move. But the fact 
you know, there's a lot more moving parts to an iron than you would ever believe. You know, that face is moving all over. The top line is bending. The, the speed pocket is flexing. All with a goal to provide forgiveness and to maintain ball speed, right? So forgiveness and ball speed, um, if I hit one right off the bottom of the club or I hit one two or three grooves low, I don't want to suffer the penalty of having that ball come up super short or not even get in the air. So that, that, that flexibility that you get in the face is ultimately providing forgiveness through ball speed, right? You're not going to have that. If you play a blade, right, you hit one a little bit off center, you can expect, you know, 10 yards of distance drop or more just based off of a, a slight change in strike location. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we're not perfect. We're not good at golf. Let's just face it, you know, let's take all the help that, you know, that we can get, especially for the recreational player who, isn't pounding balls every day or getting lessons every week or, you know, they're just playing with their buddies, having a good time and they're going to have a better time when they have putts for birdie rather than trying to get up and, you know, down for par all day. And that face is moving and it's kind of hard to, hard to tell here, but that face is flexing like you wouldn't believe. And that's, you know, all was trying to get you as much ball speed as possible over that wider area. So the faces of an iron are extremely thin and that's what's really providing us that, that ability to get that face to flex. So thin faces, speed pockets, which is patented. No one else can do it besides us, especially the way that we do it. We're moving that weight down low. It's just a great recipe for forgiveness. And then you have another iron for that player that needs a little bit more help, a little bit more support. The You've still got the OS in the family, yeah? Yep. Yeah, so you got got uh, Sim 2 Max, which is kind of your middle-of-the-road game-improvement product. And then on top of that, you also have your Sim 2 Max OS and you guess that it, it's basically just everything to the max, right? Stronger lofts, even lower CG, more offset, bigger face. You know, this is for the person who walks in the store and says, I want to hit it as far as possible, or I need as much help as possible. Yeah. Um, so it's really an iron that you can confidently put in someone's hand, and they're going to hit really good and consistent golf shots with it because of it, just because it's so forgiving. So, you know, not everyone can you know, wants to play the same product. And I think everyone's abilities are different and having options is always going to benefit the golfer. Yeah. Well, it was also a very, very popular model in the previous uh, generation that Max uh, OS had because it just did exactly that. You know, it was, you put someone down, they might have a bit of an issue getting the ball up in the air, getting the distance that they need. Yeah. You know, and um, I, I saw it work. So I can't wait to see the new one, which will be great. Hopefully see it very soon. Yep. Now, is that does that cover off the iron family for you, Chandler? Um, you know there is some new wedges coming out uh-huh. that we can talk. High toe raw. Or is... Yep. Oh, yeah. Right. So the high toe raw, obviously, you know, very much like our Sim Two Max Rescue. I'm, I know I'm drawing parallels to a rescue and a wedge, but there's a lot of positives with both. And the recipe, um, what what makes those clubs popular, um, we didn't want to change too much. Obviously, high toe uh, for us. You know, let's start with first and foremost. You know. Got full face scoring lines. It's your ultimate short game club. Um, high CG to lower your launch, increase your spin, and um, you know it's just a wedge that performed extremely well on tour, extremely well at retail, um, and it just worked phenomenal, right? People loved it. Um, but then when we launched MG2, you know, with raw face technology, we knew that well, there's an added benefit for um, you know maintaining spin in different conditions, whether it be dry or wet. Um, and then also the associated kind of feel that comes along with that. But really having that raw face technology, we just really want to implement that into the high toe franchise 
And we did some subtle tweaks as well. You'll notice that we not only borrowed the raw face construction from MG2, but we had that thin, thick um, flange in the back as well uh, to really um, change the way the club felt. Um, you know, there's things that we take very seriously, and that's how, you know, when you, when you strike the ball, does it feel solid? Does it feel um, crisp? Does it feel, you know, just good, right? And we knew that by kind of thickening up that back flange a little bit more, um, not only helps us with center gravity to move it up a little bit further, but at the same time, give this more of a solid sound and feel. Um, so, you know, still milled grind. So you got your, that's where the rubber beats the road, right? You know, that's the first and foremost, that's how the club interacts with the ground more so than any other club. So milled grind is still a very predominant feature there. Um, and it's to milled to exacting tolerances to make sure that, you know, when you wore out one wedge and you go buy another, that they're going to perform the same but also that the wedge that you buy and the wedge that I get are the same, right? You know, there's no sense in having kind of risking that when you mill a wedge or, you, you know, you know, when you grind a wedge and if I say, Hey, could you go grind me a 56, 12, you do it. And then I have to go do it too. They're going to come out different. Right. It'll be close, but they're going to be different. So milled grind gives you the, all that consistency where the rubber meets the road, um, proper camber and bounce options to meet really every golfer, um, raw face, and then really kind of tweaking the sound and feel a bit with that higher center gravity and that thin, thick flange as well. So can you, can you take a moment just on the wedges to just talk us through the ATV? So ATV started off, uh, I think going back to 2011 or so, um, the ATV stands for all strain versatility. And essentially it was kind of one grind that fit kind of almost all conditions or all swing types. If you look at the spec book this year, we actually went away from ATV this year um, as customization and as uh, players are becoming more kind of fine-tuned um, with their game. We realized that kind of philosophy of like one grind meets all conditions, all swings, all requirements, so, you know, for short game. So it's kind of, I don't want to say it was flawed in nature, but it was one of those things where nice idea, executed really well, plays fantastic. I actually really like the TV grind personally. Um, but it's not perfect in all situations. It's really good at everything, but it's not perfect. So now when we have, if you look at our bounce options and you look at our entire lineup, um, the golfer can then either go get fit or make a, a more um, educated decision on the law office, right, for the conditions that they play or how they swing. So you got your standard bounce, you got your low bounce, and then we also have a, a new Bigfoot sole, um, not just for the guy who can't get out of the bunker anymore, it's a Go new ahead. a new Bigfoot sole. Yep. So ATV yeah, so this, ATV yep. gone and Bigfoot Bigfoot a new Bigfoot in and then you've got the the standard bounce and, and low bounce, yeah? Yeah. Um, one thing about the Bigfoot sole that I want to at least yep. take about look for some of these on tour actually, because as we get kind of rolling with the you know with the high toe two launch, mm -hmm. um sorry, the high toe two code name. I always say the wrong ones, but high toe raw uh, product is that you'll have this new Bigfoot sole. And um, essentially, it's a lot more versatile than what we had before, which was really just square face performance, you know, hit it out of a bunker or hit it out of, you know, the square face for the golfer who doesn't know how to open it. You still have the benefit of it's like 15 degrees of bounce in its square setting, but a ton of heel and toe relief so that really the better player can play it off a tight lie and not have really any problems. So pretty cool there. So just for the listeners, you know, heel and toe relief, that means that that sole uh, – 
is not as I guess predominant in the heel. So when you, you know, hands low, you, know, you can still get access to a minimal sort of bounce profile and, and nip the ball if you need. But when you yep. need, you know, soft sand, soft conditions, when you need that bounce support uh, in those environments, you know, you still have that there when you play it fairly square or open it back or lay it back. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, because you can really kind of control that leading edge height, right? So yep. from the ground to where the leading edge starts, by how you position the face, you can control whether it be really high up in the air. Mm-hmm pretty low to the ground depending on your shot. So definitely adds an element of creativity for the golfer, but it's also just, you know, if you have a guy who just can't get out of the bunker, Bigfoot's still a great way to go. That's why, you know, we definitely wanted to at least give golfers more options to, to choose from based off of where they play most likely and how they swing. So, Well, you know what the simple answer, Chandler, you know what the simple answer is? What's that? You buy a wedge for every, every part of the world that you want to play in. So instead of just coming and buying three wedges, you buy six. Isn't that, isn't that the way to say I, it? I love the way you think. Yeah, <laughs> no, but I'll I keep some dollars coming in for sure. But no, but it's part of the fitting process and a good fitter will un, will work with you and identify, you know, what are the conditions that you play. And we, with this yep. growth of the game, we get a lot of people that are playing social golf and they say, oh, I play a bit of everywhere. And it's really interesting to take them through that sort of concept of, well, when you play down here, the conditions are different to when you play over here. And they go, yeah, yeah, you're right. I never really thought about it. I said, well, how about we do this scenario? We have one bounce profile here and one bounce profile here. And then you've got access to both. And, and the light bulb moment ticks and they go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. I can see why, you know, this one that I've walked in with doesn't really work in those conditions. There we yeah. go. We're on to something. And I explain that. I say, look, unfortunately, we're not all like tour players. Where You look at the what's in the bag where they've got three wedges for every bounce and every loft profile, and they can just pick and choose relative to the conditions because that's what yeah. they do. We can't do that as normal everyday golfers. So it's really important that you have those conversations when you are getting fit. Uh, this is for the benefit of the listeners because to understand that will really help you get a wedge configuration that will help you game. Yep. Spot on there. Yep, absolutely. Well, Chandler, I unless there's other... You know, of that tailor-made TP5X crystal ball uh, stuff that sits in the corner office, I'm sure when you're working out all how to make these wonderful new products two, three, four, and five years down the track, um, unless there's some stuff from that you want to tell us, which I don't think there is, another masterclass with Chandler Carr. Is that okay? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I always like talking with you. It's great to kind of pick your brain a little bit too and, um, you know, just kind of have someone else talk to you on this stuff. It's, it's great, you know, obviously with uh, – you know, kind of working from home here in my uh, small little office. Um, you know, I used to give a lot of these presentations before and kind of travel around the States, but it's nice talking with you here and uh, get to talk about the product that we all love and uh, hopefully get more people playing it. Well, all things considering, and, you know, you're not alone, but the work that you've achieved uh, during the last, you know, 12 months or so, you know, in those conditions and to think that we've got these wonderful new products coming out now and, and more products in the pipeline and, and the work doesn't stop from wherever you're located that you can do that from and just by using your creativity and ingenuity and uh, and some good collaboration um, is all credit to yourself and all of the guys uh, at the team, Bo V, Bystet, Carr, and all of the other guys and the names that I don't know. Um, thank you very much. Uh, now, I'm not going to let you go just quick quickly yet, but uh, yeah, let's have a little look around the office there, mate. I can see some props. Definitely wish I had more stuff to show you. Yeah. I just had a bag full of clubs and some album artwork and uh, stuff I can't show you over here. Oh. But... Um, but I can say, I don't know if you can see it, but right there, yeah. that is my favorite golf course in all of San Diego, actually. Um, Which one? It's technically, it's technically in San Diego County and it's not Torrey Pines. Like most people think Torrey Pines is like, oh, you live in San Diego, so that's definitely got to be your favorite course. But Rams Hill Golf Club mm-hmm. um, in Springs is hands down my number one favorite course in San Diego, without a doubt. 
Um, it's Tom Fazio design, and it's literally in the middle of nowhere. You drive two hours east of San Diego, and you get to it, mm-hmm. and it's um, just every hole is just by itself. You don't see anything around you. There's some homes out there, but um, it's just the entire journey of, like, it's the perfect day trip. You you leave at 7 in the morning from the house. You drive out there. You you bang a few balls in the range. You go play golf, and then you see this beautiful sunset out in the middle of the desert. Um, it's just like, that's my happy spot. I could definitely stay, spend a lot of time there. I wish I could spend more time there. If I could, but. So is that on the way to Palm Springs, did you say? No, so it's actually about an hour south of Palm Springs. Okay. So it's basically um, on the map, you look at a place called the Salton Sea mm-hmm. or Brazil Springs. Mm-hmm. And it's a little by itself. Like if you do Google Earth and you just zoom in on the golf course, you look like, why would anyone ever build a golf course here? Because uh, it's literally in the middle of nowhere. But it's perfect condition, um, best course layout. Uh, I, I, I could talk about this all day, but it's my, it's my favorite course. Yeah. Well, start, uh, Googling that if you can. I can see why and absolutely love but it. I, but I definitely recommend checking it out. Um, either if you ever get over here, I'll, I'll definitely take you out there. No problem. But um, just looking at the images online, we'll definitely kind of show you what I'm talking about because it's, it's crazy. I'll definitely get there. I'm coming once all this uh, travel stuff is, is behind us and uh, I'm definitely there and I will take you up on that. Absolutely. Perfect. I will gladly take you out there. No problem. Well, Chandler Carr from Team TaylorMade over there in Carlsbad, USA. Thank you very, very much for your time. Thank you very much for your information. And I really do appreciate it. All the listeners appreciate it. Uh, The work that you and all of your colleagues are doing is fantastic. And we know you put your heart and soul into the industry for the benefit of people like me who sell golf clubs and make a living. And uh, we really do appreciate all of uh, the products that you give to us so we can, you know, help put them in the hands of everyday golfers to get better and enjoy their golf more. And that's the goal of both you, both me, and that's, I think, why we connect so well. Well, thank you again, and I'll uh, I'll let you go, and I'll see you next time on the My Love of Golf podcast. Sounds good. Good to see you again.